Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Book of Man by Rob Marr 1. Berries Two brothers are playing a game. They sit cross-legged, shorts above scuffed knees, bare feet warmed by the earth's early autumn heat, a fistful of bright red berries in their small left hands. Above their heads, the flexed branches of the churchyard's ancient yew tree enclose the siblings in its private shade. The older, smaller boy goes first, slowly filling his mouth with bright red fruit until his cheeks bulge. Eyes watering, he holds up the thumb and fingers of his right hand. Five, and coughs, sending shiny spittled berries spinning back to earth. His younger, taller brother, takes his turn, quickly shifting berries from hand to mouth, hand to mouth. Triumphant, he too holds up the splayed fingers and thumb of his right hand before slowly raising the middle digit of his now empty left. Six, and fuck you. He chews sweet pulp and bitter seed, swallows and shrugs. It's always this way, younger thoroughbred besting older runt of litter. The boy and his brother head home, cutting across fields rich with their father's cattle to reach the path through the woods that back onto the farmhouse. They do their chores, wash their hands and sit down to eat. After supper, the younger brother complains of stomach ache. His mother, thinking he is overeaten, sends him to bed early and continues with her work. In the night, the boy is woken by his younger brother retching berry-speckled vomit on the bedsheets, his eyelids dark, his strong body trembling. The boy calls his mother and blurts a confession of the game played that afternoon under the venerable tree. The family doctor arrives within the hour and spoons revolting syrup of Ipecac into the mouths of each child, lecturing all the while on the dangers of wild berries. The boy vomits copiously, but by morning is recovered and hungry for breakfast. The younger brother deteriorates, lips purpling, his breathing increasingly laboured. 
Eight days later, he's dead. The boy's father gathers his tools, walks the mile and a half to the churchyard and begins for the second time that year, digging and digging in the late autumn heat, the taste of sweat and tears in his greying beard, until he judges the small hole big enough. He leans on his spade and glances at the headstones in the family plot, the flinted church and ancient yew at his back. One for his first wife, three for their daughters, four for their sons, the most recent grave barely covered in grass. A single stone from his childhood, when eight of his brothers and sisters succumbed within the space of 18 days to consumption, while he remained stubbornly, guiltily well. Eleven years old and seemingly invincible. The man buries his thoroughbred son, so strong and sound of limb, and arranges for the boy to be sent to boarding school, south of the border. After the crying was over Train rocks me gently to sleep Resting my head on my top box My name burned in the wood Fuck you, I wrote with my compass Scratched on the wood of the seat Crying was over Free from the abuse and father's monotone We play how many of the yew tree berries can you eat in one go? You chewed all five, I swallowed mine whole Later that night you subside Now that the crying is over Sunsets are west on the sea Resting my head on my top Counting. Only the SWAT's desk is left, the scratched wood breathing beeswax, ink, a hint of something unsavoury. The boy works quietly, spinning out the easy sums, his attention drifting. 
he notices a repeated pattern of five tiles in the parquet floor that echoes the layout of the playing cards stowed in his blazer pocket and begins to count, tapping his teeth together each time he makes part of the five. Two. Tap. One. Tap. Two. Tap. As his body heat warms the desk, the smell of decay gets stronger. He lifts the lid, sniggers coming from behind him, to find a dead mouse, clumsily gift-wrapped with string, a single red berry between its yellow teeth. He picks up the tiny animal, gently places its feet down on the edge of the desk, glances up at the master and carries on with his work. The room holds its breath. From somewhere near the front desk comes a muffled noise. Is it a squeak? The master's chair against the hard floor. The boy's pen does not hesitate. The master moves over, picks up the mouse and throws it in the bin. The 19 other boys smile. Test passed. That night, after lights out, the boy impresses the other children in his dorm with a grotesque reenactment of his little brother's death. The small pyjama troop entranced as he mimes the unbearable vomiting, his sweating, ribbed back arching in the lamplight. He is caned more than once for these exorcisms, bearing his scars with vicious pride. The boy's counting becomes obsessive. He counts days, words, seconds, boys, minutes, teachers, games, friends, beatings, cards, balls, runs, birds, odds, races, wins, losses, crumbs, books, weeks, months, years. He searches continually for his pattern of five in the carpet of the headmaster's study in the panelling on the train home, in the hound's tooth of his father's servant's jacket. Whenever he counts, his busy brain focuses. His breathing slows, and the boy is satisfied. Order brought to chaos. In the third winter of his exile, the boy's father dies at 1.30am on Christmas Day his formidable strength and energy rapidly eroded by consumption. The boy is 11 years, 9 months, and 10 days old. At the funeral, the boy sings, sits, listens, stands, sings, sits, and counts. Steps, farmers, soldiers, pipers, medals, handshakes, aristocrats, church stones, roof tiles. When it's over... The boy returns home and retreats to the stables to stroke the velvet-soft muzzle of his favourite horse, the warm tang of manure in his nostrils. The next day, the boy inherits two-thirds of his father's cattle-breeding fortune, held in trust until his 25th birthday. He returns to school, adolescence arrives, he ascends to a dorm on the upper landing and he still counts. Erections. Cigarettes filched from his mother's purse, trips to the headmaster's study. These trips become more frequent. The boy is expelled, rehomed in a school where four of his half-brothers had studied with distinction, expelled again. 
In desperation, his mother enrolls him in a new nautical college where troublesome boys are part-tamed with a man's uniform. Strict discipline and a sense of purpose, primed for war and a life at sea. He arrives in his fifteenth summer, fierce, diminutive, arm already tattooed with anchor, thistle and flower. The war is one thousand, one hundred days old. The boy is pupil number forty-one, sleeps in a hammock, must march whenever he walks. He is an average student, but a first-class seaman, quickly becoming expert in calculating degrees, minutes and seconds of latitude and longitude, the heavy sextant held steady in his small hands. The war ends. The boy turns sixteen and goes to sea, rising through the ranks to become second mate, chief navigator and ship's medical officer. The boy, now a man, enjoys his medical duties on board ship. In port, he seeks out creaking, hard-backed textbooks on anatomy and physiology, his foraging a welcome pause from the usual rounds of drinking and whoring. On board, he studies during slow, instrument-lit night watches, absorbed by the intricate complexities of bone, muscle, blood, and nerve beneath smooth, simple skin. By the age of 23, he is already a competent, if unqualified, physician. His mother falls ill. He returns home and goes back to school, sitting patiently among farting, jostling adolescents. His mother dies. He inherits and begins training as a doctor. When I was a boy I loved my father's favourite son And when I was a boy He loved me when no work was done When I was a boy When he was a boy He loved the earth, the sky, the sun And when I was a boy I love the water and to walk the boats as they docked and hung. Now I will sail this boat through starlit night, plotting a course to make something of life. Now I am a man, I can decide. To go now to use my time. Now I am a man, I can decide. When I have a boy, I will teach him how to run. And when he has a boy, and so on, and then so on. When I was a boy. Now I will sail this ship through starlit night Plotting the course to make something of life Now I am a man, I can decide 
Seduction. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Soothed by the low light, the warmth and smells of 100 bodies the scrape of chalk on the blackboard. The man is snoozing through a lecture on the anatomy of the upper limb, material he knows inside out from his days at sea. He is hungover, dishevelled, dreaming of an irritating lump in an otherwise soft bed when he wakes to an elbow in his ribs. You were snoring, whispers the nurse in the seat next to him offering a cigarette and a gap-toothed smile. He grins, leans the tip into the flame of her lighter, inhales deeply and settles back into the hard seat. He examines her in his peripheral vision, flicking the odd glance for a fuller look. Impeccably dressed, same height as him, strong, shapely, straight-backed. He leans over and scrolls. Saturday night, at the top of the empty page of his notebook, 
gesturing for her attention. She pretends for a moment not to see him, knowing his reputation. Sailor man, not boy, recently recovered from some kind of mental breakdown, a drinker, rumoured to have fathered at least one illegitimate child. She pauses while his cigarette burns, and then places a tick next to the question mark, sharp pencil held in neat, nailed fingers. They go out that weekend, she outdrinks him, leans in for a brief imperial leather and smoke kiss, then makes an early exit, citing the need for sleep before playing the organ in church next morning. The woman is top of her class, a stylish, hard-drinking farmer's daughter, a church girl with a filthy sense of humour. The man is one. The couple complete their studies, marry, and spend his inheritance on a hard-living, year-long, round-the-world honeymoon. When the money runs out, the man and his wife return home and start their own medical practice in a small town. The man drinks, smokes, works, and fathers a child, a girl. His country goes to war again. This time, he is old enough, and within six weeks he is working as an army doctor a prized military-issue Rolex on his slim wrist. He slips easily into the regimes of military service, the simplicities of male companionship, the adoration of the men who serve under him. His brief visits home are more complicated. He does not enjoy fatherhood, even at a distance, and he repeatedly refuses his wife's request for another child. Gentle persuasion gives way to passionate argument, proceeds to a full-blown shouting match that he brings to a brutal stop with his fist. The next time he comes home, she greets him in her best dress, a minute dab of perfume clinging to her neck, and sits him down to a meal of black market beef and the last bottle of red wine hoarded from their pre-war cellar. They eat make their peace, and she takes him to bed, slim from years of rationing, sweet as liquid chocolate after months of enforced celibacy. Afterwards, he lights her a cigarette, and they smoke and talk, drifting off to sleep. In the morning, he asks sleepily where she left her Dutch cap, missing from its usual place on the nightstand. She looks him in the eye and tells him she didn't use it. He raises his hand, and she gets the first blow in, a clean, hard slap to the face. Nine months later, their second child, my father, is born.
complicated like the sea. Young Man and Manhood Years pass. The man's son is 17 years old. He stands at the man's graveside, breathing the fecund, metallic scent of rain on freshly dug earth, and waits for his mother and the adoring herds of patience to disperse. The rain falls. His feet get wet. Finally, he is alone. Good riddance, he says, his voice low and clear. Something unidentifiable stirs. My thoughts exactly, comes the reply from beneath the earth. The boy stands, steam rising from his broad shoulders. Unloved, he says. I'm afraid so. 
says the man from the new-found comfort of his grave. And then... And me. There's a pause while they both consider. Why, says the boy. Because, replies the man. Not by your mother, he adds finally, the cold earth making him generous. The boy nods, savouring the muffled stillness of the heavy, wet air. As I said, he mutters, wriggling his toes for warmth and walking away. The boy drifts, fails his exams, leaves school, gets a dead-end job and buys a motorcycle, tinkering obsessively with the machine, sump oil inflaming the Exmoor on his hands. At 19, he steals his best friend's girlfriend and gets her pregnant. His mother does not approve. The girl is of a lower class, and she intervenes, ensuring the young woman's return to her previous boyfriend before she gives birth to the child. The boy leaves home, surviving on tinned food warmed on slow electric hobs in poorly heated bedsits. He gets a job in a brewery, drawn by the lunch hour free-for-all where staff can drink as many pints and smoke as many cigarettes as they can handle at the firm's expense. He womanises, making the most of his good looks and lean frame. One night, the man talks his way into a dance for medical students where a trainee nurse with a cracking pair of legs and a clumsy fringe catches his eye. They dance, his nose in her already greying hair, breathing clean pink scalp. The man takes the number of the telephone in the hallway of her nurse's residence and calls from a phone box a few days later, their conversation stilted by unfamiliarity and the close proximity of strangers. The woman is interested, but cautious. The man quietly disentangles himself from his other relationships and begins a brief, chaste courtship. Three months later, he is dropping his girlfriend at the hospital for her night shift, the inside of the car perfumed with leaded two-star petrol, freshly laundered uniform and man-sweat. He is agitated, incapable of conversation turning the radio on, then off, then on again, slow to move at a green light, then gunning the small engine, inches from the bumper of the car in front. They are late. He drives up a ramp marked no entry, parks in an ambulance bay, and finally, when his girlfriend's back is turned, one foot on the curb, blurts the question, his face a roiling sea of emotions. Will you marry me? Surprise holds her, somewhere between sitting and standing. She straightens, walks through the headlights to the driver's side, leans through the open window and kisses him full on the mouth. Yes, she says, and walks away. Your hair is a rope, but climbing hopes are blind. Tangled, open rescue light, belays me in harness over. I see rocks to a mountain top. Where the wind blows strong, country of ourselves The view road a park above a tree, a house In the city south, where we cook up plans A future mouth to feed
your pocket Make my home in your pocket Safe from harm in your pocket Bathed in morning light You have become home to me A place where I can rest my feet You have become home to me I will be the table legs I'll warm the cold side of the bed I'll bake your bread and give your head until your turn And you will be the table legs for the times that I lack the strength Or we would take the weight of this in turn I will be a home to you A place where you can rest your feet I will be a home to you I will be the table legs I'll warm the cold side of the bed I'll be your floor in perfect gent Until your turn Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
You have been listening to Book of Man, written by me, Rob Marr, and narrated by Josh O'Connor. I also wrote and performed the music. Mix was by Bill Garrity and Wayne Wilkins, mastering by Rupert Christie, artwork by Ben Yong Mills. With huge thanks to Josh O'Connor, Elizabeth Donnelly, Pip Cowell, Dan Simons, Kate Hall, Liz and Alec Frank, my family, and most of all, thank you to you for listening. Please visit robmar.net for more information and an online treasure trove of archive material used in the making of this podcast. A single from this podcast will be released on November the 13th, 2020, with an album coming in early 2021.